אני, כשבגרתי כבר נסעתי בשבת, ואני זוכר פעם כשבאתי אליו הביתה במוצאי שבת, As I got older, I started driving on Shabbat, and I remembered that this one time I came over to my father's house on Motzei Shabbat, on Saturday night. I made sure, of course, to arrive after Shabbat was already over, but apparently I came too early, almost immediately after the end of Shabbat. So he said to me, Avinoam, I'm really happy you came to visit me. I really am. But if you had come just a little bit later, <laughs> I would have been even happier. That's the man he was. That's Avinoam Kobashi, the son of Saadia Kobashi, a rabbi, a licensed poultry slaughterer, an educator, and the lone representative among the signatories of the Declaration of Independence of Yemenite Jewry. Hey, I'm Mishi Harman, and this is Israel Story. Israel Story is brought to you by the Jerusalem Foundation and the Times of Israel. So Israel is turning 75, and we feel this is a moment for us to step back and take stock, to ask where we came from, where we are, and where, for God's sake, we're going. And in order to answer those questions, we decided to go back to the basics. Our series... Signed, Sealed, Delivered, looks at our founding moral compass, Megillat Ha'atzmaut, or the Declaration of Independence. 37 people signed Megillat Ha'atzmaut, and over the course of the past several months, our team has diligently tracked down the closest living relative of each one of these signatories, and interviewed them. We talked about their ancestors and families, about the promise of the Declaration, the places in which we delivered on that promise, the places in which we exceeded our wildest dreams, and also about the places where we fell short. And it is through these descendants of the men and women who, with a strike of a pen, gave birth to this country of ours, that we wish to learn something about ourselves. Today we'll meet Saadia Kobashi and his son, Avinoam Kobashi. He'll present one of the many political perspectives we'll be featuring throughout the series. We'll be right back. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. The Technion Israel Institute of Technology is where some of Israel's brightest minds ask the biggest question of all. What if? What if they could take on the world's biggest challenges? What if they could develop life-changing environmental, scientific, health, medical, and technological discoveries that will make a huge impact on Israel and the planet? But they don't just ask the question, they answer it too. They turn those ideas into reality. 
they make them happen. To see just some of the incredible things they've achieved, get the Technion Booklet of Wonders at ats.org wonders. We hope it inspires you to give them your support so they can keep doing what they do best. The American Technion Society. World-changing discoveries by Israel's brightest minds made possible by you. Hey listeners, it's Mishi. Last week we released our 50th Wartime Diary. This week is Yom HaZikaron and Yom HaTzmaut. And as a way of marking this milestone, and these dates, Yochai Meital and I will have a series of onstage conversations in New York and Cleveland. We'll discuss the process of creating wartime diaries, talk about some of the challenges we've encountered, the dilemmas we've had, the insights we've gained. So if you want to hear what covering the evolving story of this war has been like for us, we'd love to see you at one of our events. All the details are on our site, israelstory.org. And meanwhile, wishing us all calm and peaceful days ahead. Okay, we're back. Here's our producer Yael Ben-Chorin with Avinoam Kobashi, Saadia Kobashi's son. During Passover of 1909, the heads of the families of the small community of Khubesh, Yemen, most of whom were silver and coppersmiths, met up in the home of their village leader, Yehye Kobashi, Saaria's father, to discuss the idea of moving to the land of Israel. Though they lived in peace with their Muslim neighbors and were financially comfortable, they were determined to fulfill their dream and decided to begin the journey to Zion the day after Shavuot. And indeed, seven weeks after that meeting, they set out and, led by a Muslim guide, made their way to the coast of the Red Sea by foot, donkey, and camel. In Midi, they boarded a sailboat. At Metsawa, they changed to a steamboat to Port Said, and finally arrived in Jaffa in midsummer. In a memoir that he wrote for the occasion of his 80th birthday, Kobashi recalled a terrible storm they had encountered en route. Most of the people on the ship were sick, he wrote. And one of them, my sister Badra's firstborn son, may his memory be a blessing, died and was cast into the sea. Once in the land of Israel, the group walked to Jerusalem and seven-year-old Saaria began attending religious schools. He ultimately became a teacher, a principal, one of the leaders of the Yemenite community in Israel and its representative to Moetzet Ha'am, the Provisional State Council. Stuck in besieged Jerusalem, Kobashi was unable to attend the declaration ceremony itself and added his signature to the scroll during the first ceasefire, a month later. He and his wife Malka had three children, and his son, Avinoam, who is himself 91, recalls that his father wore a jacket, tie, and hat every single day of his life. Zaria Kobashi was a modest man who preferred education to politics and religion to public affairs. He died in relative obscurity in 1990 at the age of 87. 
Here he is, in a 1961 interview for the State Archives, sharing a message for future generations. I shall say my part. It is written, and Joshua defeated Amalek and his people with the edge of the sword. According to this verse, the state stands primarily on its material might, on its military force. But on the other hand, in the previous verse it is written, and so it was that when Moses held up his hand, Israel prevailed. And when he let down his hand, Amalek prevailed. In other words, according to this, the main force upon which the country rests is spiritual. And so we learn that the material might is the main thing and the spiritual strength is the main thing. The one cannot exist without the other. And above those two forces is the belief in God and the Torah of Israel and the land of Israel. I'm Avinoam, the son of Saadia Kubashi. He was born in Yemen in 1902 in a village called Khubesh, and that's where the name Khubashi comes from. I mean, our original name is Levi. He was Saadia Levi. But everyone's a Levi. So which Levi? Saadia Levi Khubashi from Khubesh. Later on, when he went to school here in Eretz Israel, they didn't know how to say Chubeshi, so instead of Chaf, they said Kaf, and it became Kovashi. Kovashi. That's how our name was born. In any event, they lived there, and in 1909 they made Aliyah to the land of Israel. He was seven years old. Coming here was their utmost desire, their greatest wish. So when they arrived, they all dropped to the ground and kissed the earth. Literally kissed the earth. And then they continued on to Jerusalem by foot. Whoever had enough money rented a donkey and put their baggage on the donkey's back. And then everyone just walked beside the donkey. <laughs> you know, it's funny. Once, many years later, my car was in the shop, so I picked up my father in my wife's car, which was much smaller than mine, and I asked him, Dad, are you comfortable in this car? So he looked at me and said, Yes, of course I am. It's way more comfortable than the donkey I didn't have when I came from Yemen. Here in Eretz Israel, he lived in great poverty. They had a difficult life, very difficult. And poverty then? It meant you were hungry. Not like today, where poverty is some sort of statistical definition. You know, the, the poverty line and everything. Today, there's a line. But back then, poor meant hungry. Simple. He told me he used to go to the market to carry baskets for older people so they would take pity on him and give him a slice of bread or a, a piece of fruit or, or something like that. 
But my father never spoke about ethnic discrimination. He just didn't feel it. On the contrary, he was very grateful and felt that he received many opportunities. In 1925, he graduated from the teacher's seminary in Jerusalem. Three years later, in 1928, he got married and was sent as a Hebrew teacher to the children of the Jews of Aleppo. Uh, you know, uh, Syrians who had immigrated to America. I was born in the United States on January 1st, 1932. We came back to pre-state Israel when I was three, and we've been here ever since. By the time we returned, my father was considered to be a learned man, and he loved the Torah and studied the Torah. And since the Yemenites were all deeply religious people, they chose him to be head of the Yemenite community. On November 29, 1947, the UN announced the partition plan, and many Arabs were outraged and began rioting. Arabs advancing on the center of Jerusalem at the beginning of a three-day strike and an orgy of wrecking, looting, and bloodshed. Isolated police were... So what did my father do? He went out to help build the fortifications. <laughs> In 1948, we didn't have a radio. There were only a few families in the neighborhood who had radios. So we went over to the neighbors to hear the declaration of the state. Now, we lived in Jerusalem at the time, and Jerusalem was under siege. So even though my father was invited to the declaration, he couldn't make it to Tel Aviv. There was just no way, nothing to be done. So, a few days or weeks later, I don't know, I, I can't remember, they sent him a piper, an airplane, to take him to Tel Aviv to sign the Declaration of Independence. And he went, and then immediately returned to Jerusalem by plane. He said, I signed with trembling hands and with gratitude to the creator of the world who gave me the privilege. He wasn't a funny guy, my father. He was a very quiet and serious man who was completely and utterly devoted to his role as an educator. See, shortly after the state was founded, our family moved to Tel Aviv. And since he was already an experienced teacher, he got a position with the Ministry of Education as a supervisor in the religious Zionist school system. And then, once the large-scale Aliyah from Yemen, Operation Magic Carpet, began, he left this relatively senior position as a supervisor in the ministry and went to set up a school and teach in Rosh Ha'ayn, which was a ma'abara, a temporary transit camp the government had set up for uh, new immigrants from Yemen. It was all out of love, really, because career-wise it made no sense. I mean, he made much less money as a principal than he had as a supervisor. And what's more, he had to take three buses to get to work every morning. You know, it, it wasn't like today, 
where you just get into your car and you're there in 10 minutes. He said it would take him two hours to get to the school, and Rosh Ha'ayin itself... Ah, I mean, at the time it was mainly mud and dust and everyone lived in tents. But every day, there he was, every single day, he would always be the first to arrive at the school. That's the kind of man he was. And folks in Rosh Ha'ayin remembered that and many years later even named a street after him there. At home, our entire family would gather every Friday night for a Shabbat meal and my father would make Yiddush in the Yemenite style. And everything was traditional, just like it had been in Yemen. And that was also the education he gave us. Look, even today I can still chant the Torah with all the traditional Yemenite melodies, without any preparation or anything. I remember that one time I told him about a friend of mine who wasn't religious, and he said, What do you mean he's not religious? If he lives in the state of Israel, he's not only religious, but pious. Because according to the Talmud, the act of living in the land of Israel outweighs all the other mitzvot, or commandments, of the Torah. And why is that? Because those who live in the land of Israel build it, defend it, fight for it, and sometimes even sacrifice their lives for it. And that's Kiddush Hashem, the sanctification of God's name. And all the donors in America, who give millions to Israel, they're paying damim, which means money. And those who live here in the land of Israel pay with dam, blood. So I ask you, who is more religious? At the same time, and despite his religiosity and approach to the land, my father was a moderate man. For example, he was in favor of dividing the land of Israel. He used to say that it was pikuach nefesh, a matter of saving lives, that if there will be peace with our neighbors, fewer people will be killed. Some might disagree, of course, but he thought that the land of Israel was holy, but that human life was holier, So he used to say that if it was up to him, he wouldn't object even to dividing Jerusalem. You can't always just say, well, God gave us the land, God gave us the land. Yes, that's true. But the reality on the ground is different. He taught us to hope that Israel would be a religious state, a traditional state. That, yes. But instead, today, there's extremism. And that makes me sad, and would have made him sad. Because the religious extremism today 
and I'm saying this gently, has made Judaism an unbearable religion. In the declaration, Ben-Gurion promised freedom of religion and conscience for all. But we don't have that today. We live in a society of religious coercion. Take the Western Wall, the Kotel, for example. We thought that the declaration talked about no discrimination based on sex. But at the Kotel, women can't pray in whatever way they want, and there are sections where they can't even go. What is this? Is that what we call freedom of religion? Equality between the sexes? As far as I'm concerned, the Kotel shouldn't even have a rabbi. It itself is a holy place, so it doesn't need a rabbi. And everyone, men and women, should be able to do whatever they want. Pray, read the Torah, whatever. Why not? And it's not just the matter of religion and equality of men and women. I think we've lost our way as a welfare state too. Our governments, both this one and previous ones, don't pay enough attention to poverty. All the politicians keep on making statements about how they're fighting poverty and closing socio-economic gaps. But the reality is that more and more people live in poverty and the welfare institutions mainly serve the welfare of all kinds of machers who get paid for doing nothing. That makes me very sad. But at the same time, if my father was around today, he would be very proud of Israel's military might. And he would say that if we had this kind of an army during World War II, there wouldn't have been a Holocaust. Every year on Yom Ha'atzma'ut, Independence Day, I'm moved and excited as if it was the day the state was declared. That's how I feel. And I conjure up the image of my dad in my mind's eye and I say to myself that I'm privileged, lucky, to be the son of Saadia Kobashi, signatory of the Declaration of Independence. Mitch Ginsberg and Lev Cohen are the senior producers of Signed, Sealed, Delivered, our staff also includes Yochai Meital, Zev Levi, Adina Karpuch, Jamal Rishek, Hadas Kidron, Shoshana Sara, Shira Shans Khalil, Ross Bordeaux, Yael Ben Chorin, and Rotem Tzin. Sela Weisblum is our sound engineer. Zev Levi scored and sound designed the episode, with music from Blue Dot Sessions. Our music consultants are Tomer Kariv and DJ Yoni Turner. And our dubbers are Leon Feldman and Yoav Yefet. The episode was recorded in our very own Nomi Studios. You can catch up on all our regular Israel Story episodes, as well as the other signed, sealed, delivered minisodes on our site, israelstory.org, or by searching for Israel Story wherever you get your podcasts. You can and should also check out our home at timesofisrael.com slash podcasts. And, of course, follow us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, all under Israel Story. If you're interested in sponsoring episodes of Israel Story, email us at sponsor at israelstory.org. This series is dedicated to the memory of my beloved father, David Harmon. 
who was a true believer in the values of the Declaration of Independence, in Zionism, in democracy, and most of all, in equality. I'm Ishi Harman, and we'll be back next time with another installment of Signed, Sealed, Delivered, and a completely different perspective on Israel's Declaration of Independence. Till then, Shalom Shalom, and Yalla Bye!
When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM.